This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Um, so, uh, I mean, there's a crazy amount of new technology happening here, and it's all evolving simultaneously, so... Um, we need to iron out like the unknown unknowns, so to speak. Yeah. Um. Hello, Internet. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's November 29th, 2022. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Subscribe if you haven't, especially at rumble.com slash Rubin Report. You never know when YouTube is just gonna pull the plug and we are gonna be talking about free speech and big tech and culture wars and race and sexism and all sorts of stuff today. So it could happen at any given moment. Uh, actually, what we're gonna be focusing on today is uh, this absolute fiasco involving Kanye West, Donald Trump, Milo Yiannopoulos, Nick Fuentes, and now Tim Pool. You may not know some of those names, and if you don't know some of those names, you're probably lucky because that means you're a little bit out of the loop of like the hardcore internet insanity. But there's a lot of weird things happening. There's some weird juju, some weird energy in the world right now, and I want to address a bunch of it uh, head on, and it sort of culminated last night in Kanye showing up on Tim Pool's podcast, and you guys know Tim Pool of TimCast. I was on his show uh, a couple weeks ago when we were uh, visiting DC. Uh, Tim's a good dude. Tim uh, runs an extremely, extremely popular show, especially uh, with young men online. And he was, a, I would say, a former lefty, sort of like me. When I first met Tim, about, it's gotta be about seven years ago now, uh, he was like dead ass broke, basically living out of his car, had one little camera and a dream, and he's built like a really interesting uh, media empire. Anyway, Kanye was on his show last night and walked out. So we're going to kind of link the craziness around Kanye and this race stuff to the big tech stuff and the Twitter stuff and a whole bunch more China, Fauci. Watch what we do on the program today. You know, we like to tie all these things together and I think we've tied it real tight today. Uh, so yes, that is what we are going to do today. Uh, real quick before we get to it, let me talk to you guys about Kamikoto knives. You know, it's time to up your kitchen knife game with Kamikoto knives. Using traditional techniques, Kamikoto crafts beautiful knives using steel sourced from Japan. Each blade is made with techniques that have been honed and perfected by generations of knife smiths. They come in a beautiful, heavy-duty ash wood box, and every blade is individually inspected and comes with a lifetime guarantee. Because of their single bevel edge, Kamikoto knives can achieve a wickedly sharp edge, the kind you just can't get with other knives. These are cut through your ribeye-like butter sharp. Kamikoto knives are used by several chefs working at Michelin star restaurants around the world. They make amazing gifts that come in beautiful boxes. 
You can maintain each knife's edge with one of Kamikoto's sharpening whetstones. And like I said, they're so confident in their product that each knife comes with a lifetime guarantee. If you go ahead and buy now, Kamikoto's offering an extra 50 bucks off site-wide on top of their Black Friday sale. Go to kamikoto.com slash Ruben and use offer code Ruben for an extra 50 off. That's K-A-M-I-K-O-T-O.com slash Ruben, kamikoto.com slash Ruben. Okay, so let's get into a little bit. I'm going to get you caught up with a bit of the insanity around Kanye West. Now, I'm, I'm not a big rap guy. I'm not a huge fan of Kanye. You guys know me. I like Frank Sinatra. I like Frankie Valli. I like my chill channel. It's not really my thing, but I have no doubt that he is a very talented fella, and uh, he's made a couple bucks in the biz. The, the young people like him. Okay. So, uh, and I did see him once. I think I told this story once on the show. Did I ever tell the story? I saw... Kanye once when I lived in LA, I was going to Equinox, the gym, this little sidebar, but just come with me on this one. It's good. Uh, and, uh, you know, before I have coffee during the day, I cannot function in the morning. If I don't have coffee, I'm just not right. And for some reason, I was walking into the gym with David. We're walking in. I hadn't had coffee and I had headphones in it. You know, when you have headphones in, you talk real loud. You don't even realize it sometimes. And we're walking towards the stairs and there I see Kanye. And there were a lot of like athletes and musicians, and I used to see Kevin Hart there, and a whole bunch of other people, and because I'm not really, that's not my scene, like you see people, I would see basketball players, I didn't know, wasn't sure if it was a rapper, whatever it might be, I, there's Kanye, I hadn't had coffee yet, I wasn't really thinking straight, and I loudly turned to David, and I'm like, hey, isn't that that guy, what's his name? And Kanye looked at me, he heard me, and you know, when he can give you that scowl, he gave me the scowl, so Kanye was not happy with me. Anyway, uh, I, uh, little sidebar. Kanye is having some weird issue with the Jews. He's not happy with the Jews. And, and you guys know my feelings on collectivism. You cannot blame an entire group of people uh, for the way that some people act. Everyone is responsible for how they themselves act. You watching this right now, whether you're white or black or Jewish or Asian or whatever, are not representative of a larger community uh, than what your actions are. Uh, if you are a white person and you do something bad, we shouldn't blame all white people. If you're a black person and you do something bad, we shouldn't blame all black people. Uh, but he's sort of caught up in this in this mess. It's it's a real mess. So anyway, Kanye then went a few days ago to Mar-a-Lago to meet with Donald Trump. And we'll get to more on that in a second. But apparently it was set up a few weeks ago before Kanye's crazy tweet. Remember his crazy tweet about how he was going to go death con three on the Jews? Uh, which then got him suspended on Twitter. Uh, he went, he had dinner with Trump at Mar-a-Lago, but he brought Milo Yiannopoulos and Nick Fuentes. Now, I don't even want to focus on these guys really because they're just sort of internet trolls. They are what they are. I, I will have a little bit of a mea culpa here just to start the show. You know, I did several shows with Milo over the years, very, very early on, and I did public events with Milo. Um, I maybe should have seen what he was going to ultimately turn into and, and be a sort of racist troll and whatever it is. So if I had anything to do with any of his rise, I actually full me a culpa. I, I screwed the pooch on that one. I don't regret doing the interviews, but maybe I should have seen it a little more succinctly. Uh, this Fuentes guy is just, he's just like a, he's an actual self-avowed white supremacist. I mean, he's a racist and a white supremacist. Anyway, they all go to Mar-a-Lago together. Trump's people did not vet properly. They had dinner with him. Then Trump puts out a bunch of statements. We'll get to more on that in just a second. Anyway, uh, Kanye, Nick Fuentes, and Milo Yiannopoulos went on Tim Pool's show last night. They start ranting and raving about the Jews, and Tim did, Tim did a fine job, and Kanye couldn't take it. I, I, think, I think they've been extremely unfair to you. I think. Who was they, though? 
we can't Cor- say they Cor- is corporate can we? press. I'm not using the. I don't, I don't use the word as the, as the way I guess you, you guys use. I'm, I'm talking. It is about, them though, isn't it? I mean, because <laughs> no, it, it, because when you think <laughs> about not. it, consider it. In 2018. What do you mean it's not? It, what What do I mean? Like, uh, uh, okay, so how about? Are you leaving? Are you afraid of the press? He's gone. I'll say it right now. Um, you guys, I, I, you guys want to bring that stuff up, and then have think the we're discussion. not going to have a, like, a conversation. Like have the discussion. Like you, you think Be- yeah, he's going to come in here? That was Tim's sidekick uh, right there, Luke, uh, who chimed in at the end. Like have the discussion. I want to give real credit to Tim Pool right now, who again I, I sort of came up with him. He's a friend, and and I think he did a fine job there. He was willing to have the conversation, right? We can all say, all right, you're a racist, you're an anti-Semite, you're a bigot, blah, blah, blah. Tim was willing to sit down with these guys, knowing that it could very easily take him out too. Um, But he wanted to have that conversation. Um, It's something that I've tried to do for a long freaking time. And then it comes with a certain cost because if people see you sitting with someone and someone turns out to be a bad dude years later, they'll try to take you out. But Tim was really willing to do it. He wanted to have that conversation. How can we talk about specific ways that perhaps you, Kanye, have been wronged without lumping that into a whole group of people, a whole group of people who history has not been that kind to, by the way. Um, and we see record levels of hate crimes against Jews and, and all of that stuff. So credit where credit is due. And what's interesting is that when you challenge someone, Tim barely challenged Kanye, barely. He said, that's not the language that I want to use while talking about this. And then Kanye just got up and left. Kanye got up and left, and then, and then Fuentes and Milo left as well. Um, and this is why sunlight is the best disinfectant. If you have good ideas, your ideas will stand up to scrutiny. If you have truth on your side, you can explain truth honestly and clearly and cogently. And if your ideas are bad and they're based in bigotry and they're based in collectivism and you're not sure why you believe what you believe, but, but you damn well believe it, then you're gonna fold pretty quickly. I mean, Tim barely pushed. And Kanye absolutely uh, folded. Uh, It continued a little bit after that, after they left the studio. uh, Tim's co-host, Luke Rudkowski, uh, he shared what Kanye said to him as they were jumping in the car, as they were leaving the studio. Outside, they're in the car. And I'm like, like, let's let's let let's let the best idea win. You don't owe us anything. Let's have this conversation. And essentially, he said, you know, you don't believe in my truths. Like, this is my truth. You guys are denying it, and I don't want to. You don't believe in my truths. Let's just assume that that is a fairly accurate uh, assessment of what Kanye said to him. You know, there is no your truth. I mean, that's a, it's funny. Kanye, who's now thought of, people think of him as like this darling of the right now. Um, but the idea of your truth is a very leftist idea. It's a very woke idea. There is no such thing as your truth. Just because you believe something does not mean it is true. You can believe believe all sorts of untrue things. There is the truth, but there is not your truth. But you can then see, the reason I'm playing that for you is you can then see why would Kanye get up? Kanye believes because he believes something. He has come to some conclusion that by him saying it, that 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 means that it is true. And that's not how it works. So Kanye is, is off, I would say, in a, in a very dangerous place. And everything that Kanye is doing is leftist. It is based on all of the bad ideas, grouping people based off of race and religion and or sexuality. These are the bad ideas. 
Uh, a little context for why they were there. Tim was trying to, and I spoke for a few minutes with Tim on the phone this morning. Tim was trying to just find out how this whole dinner happened uh, because it's like, how did Trump not realize that a white supremacist, at least one white supremacist, and then a kind of maybe half white supremacist, and then Kanye with all the countries, how did this happen? Here's just quick video of them at the Miami airport on their way to visit Trump, which was being shared online before they even got to Mar-a-Lago. So it's like, did someone in Trump's orbit think of maybe saying, hey, uh, we think that this uh, white supremacist guy, this self-avowed white supremacist, I'm not just saying he's a white supremacist, he's a white supremacist by his own words. Uh, did someone think of saying, Don, uh, hey, maybe you don't want to have dinner with this guy? Here's just quick video of them at the airport. So that's on the way to Mar-a-Lago. Now, again, Trump, I don't want to get too lost in the nitty gritty of this, but it is important because Donald Trump wants to be president again. And you have to, and I voted for Trump. I like Trump. I hope to interview him again. I like and consider his friends' kids, uh, his kids' friends. Um, you know, it's like, you gotta have people around you that are gonna vet this stuff properly. So let's get a little more context in, into actually what happened how the dinner happened. Uh, this is from the Daily Wire. Former President Donald Trump reportedly met with white supremacist and Holocaust denier Nick Fuentes this week at Mar-a-Lago. The news comes after video emerged early in the week uh, showing Fuentes with rapper Kanye West, whose recent anti-Semitic tirades have been upended, have upended many of his business pursuits in an airport in Miami. West posted a video to his Twitter account Thursday night titled Mar-a-Lago Debrief in which he says that Trump was really impressed with Nick Fuentes, adding that Fuentes is a loyalist to Trump. Other reports said that Trump was dazzled by Fuentes, according to people who were present. After news of the meeting went viral, Trump responded by claiming that he knew nothing about Fuentes when they met. Kanye West very much wanted to visit Mar-a-Lago, Trump said in the statement. Our dinner meeting was intended to be Kanye and me only, but he arrived with a guest whom I've never met and knew nothing about. Trump also posted to, social, to the social media platform Truth Social explaining the meeting with Fuentes. This past week, Kanye West called me to have dinner at Mar-a-Lago, Trump wrote. Shortly thereafter, he unexpectedly showed up with three of his friends whom I knew nothing about. We had dinner on Tuesday evening with many members present on the back patio. The dinner was quick and uneventful. Then they left for the airport. So I, I just want to address the Trump part of this for just a second. Again, as someone that voted for Trump, as someone that might vote for Trump the next time around, let's pretend he had no idea who, I believe that it's very possible he didn't know who Nick Fuentes was. It seems less likely to me that he didn't know who Milo was because he was so integral in the culture war during the, the 2016 election. But you have to have people around you that vet these things. And if you think Kanye is your friend, then you're mistaken because why would Kanye bring a white supremacist to dinner with you knowing that it would cause you this sort of pain? So in many ways, this sort of feels like Kanye set up Trump, right? But Kanye wants to run for president. That's what he keeps saying, right? Yay, 24. So it's like Kanye kind of trying to take out Trump, but Trump, there is blame on Trump here, either that he didn't, either that he knew who they were and he sat down, okay, or he didn't, and if he didn't, that he, he has to fire some people at Mar-a-Lago. You have to fire your chief of staff or someone around you that is supposed to vet these people. It's just as simple as that. Uh, so I wanna just get into a little more of the nitty gritty around all of this, because there's a lot of interesting stuff here. So here's what I posted on Twitter 
about this thing, uh, about the clip that I just showed you guys. I haven't seen this all, but good for uh, Tim Pool for trying. Fuentes is a racist little troll rat. Uh, you can fact check me on that. And Kanye is just lost and drunk on fame. Trump really screwed the pooch on this one. And then I got a lot of Trump people very angry. Uh, I continued, I've only seen another two minutes of the whole thing as I've been out to dinner, but my guess is that Tim Pool did an admirable job in a shitstorm, and the others were likely exposed for what they are. Plus it's good on the internet to comment on things before seeing them, right? Uh, and then I qualified it with this. And I like Trump, I voted for him and I've interviewed him. I like his kids, but he's not perfect and I'm not in a cult with an untouchable leader. He has people who vet who he sits down with for dinner and if he doesn't or they screwed up, that's on him or Fuentes slash Kanye played him. So that's sort of, I know this feels like a little bit of insider Twitter nitty gritty and who sat down with who, like none of that feels that important but it kind of all does because it's, it's all of the machinations of what's leading up to 24, all of the censorship online. How are people on the right, you know, one of the things we criticize the left all day for, right? I do this almost every day on the show. I criticize the left because they don't know how to put some boundaries around their excesses, right? So when, when the racists of the left, the neo-racists and the real wokesters and the gender crazy people and all of those things, when they, when they run rampage, the good liberals never stand up to them. They, they always fold in their face. Well, there's a challenge on the right right now. Like what does the right wanna be? What does a broad conservative, let's say coalition wanna look like? Does it want genuine racists to be part of it? Um, or does it wanna be a little more mature? Does it wanna have some leadership that knows how to stand up to people and knows how to uh, enlighten people on what actual individual rights and American values are? Anyway, Kanye continued going after Ben Shapiro and Ben Shapiro, I don't know if you know this, he's Jewish. Uh, it is true. Uh, Kanye found, uh, well, apparently this tweet has since been deleted by Kanye, but Kanye wrote, Shapiro starvingly accepts 100,000 from one of my opponents, then tries to trash me. What he's referring to there, what you're seeing there, is that apparently a Ron DeSantis super PAC, not a Ron DeSantis PAC, but a Ron DeSantis super PAC, which they're not associated with the campaigns, they apparently put a whole bunch of money into advertising on the Daily Wire. Uh, so when Kanye says, from one of my opponents, he's calling Ron DeSantis one of his opponents because Kanye wants to run for president, which might be why, as I just said, he wants to take out Donald Trump. Uh, ben Shapiro saw that tweet and said, sadly, you've trashed yourself. You didn't need my help. It wasn't me. It wasn't the Jews, it was just you. And that really is right. I don't blame anyone else for Kanye's behavior other than Kanye. I don't blame anyone else other than Milo or the Suentes guy or whatever. And by the way, these, guys, these are people who have said horrifically awful things about me. I am not demanding that they be taken to the gulag or anything else, but they should be ignored and mocked. And I don't know, not part of decent society. Like, and that's not, that's not, oh, we have to have these guardrails on society and really watch what people say. Uh, no, if you're like genuinely racist and you really want different laws for different people, uh, you, can't, you can't play with the adults. That's how it is. They shouldn't be censored. They should just be ignored. Uh, but let's continue with how this is all going because you can connect sort of the craziness of this to the political world in that Trump took a hit here. And what have I been saying for a while? What does the media want more than anything else? The media wants a freaking blowout between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. And not only do they want that blowout, I, my argument is, and I think it's even strengthened by the last, uh, let's say week or so, 
is that they fear DeSantis more than Trump because Trump comes with all the baggage. He comes with the election denying stuff. He comes with the over the top stuff uh, where DeSantis doesn't have the baggage and has been very functional. So he is more of an actual threat. So Jonathan Chait, and he is from, is it from New York? I always said, is it New York Magazine or New Yorker? Can we just confirm that it's from New York Magazine or New Yorker? We'll get it to you in just a second. Uh, he tweeted this out, and I thought it was just a perfect example of how you can see the games of the media in real time. Can we throw that tweet up there? He wrote, Trump brought Nazis into the periphery of the GOP coalition, and DeSantis is, say, is signaling he won't change that. So do you see what happened here? Trump has dinner with the self-avowed white supremacist and Kanye saying all his crazy stuff. And who does Jonathan Chait try to make this about? Ron DeSantis. And this is what the media is going to do no matter what. Uh, Jonathan Chait's from New York Magazine. I always confuse New York Magazine and New Yorker. I'm, I'm sure both of them are not doing particularly well. Uh, I retweeted his uh, little commentary there and I said, uh, Trump's fiasco dinner with the grifters is really about, check script, DeSantis. I mean, it's just silliness. You guys get it, they're gonna keep doing it, but it's, I think it's important that we show you those, those little blips in it because it is going to be the game. Whether Trump runs the gamut and gets all the way to 24, or whether he drops out early, or whether DeSantis gets in or doesn't get in, or whatever it might be, that is the move that they are going to do. And what they're also going to do is consistently go after Elon Musk. Elon Musk, who is uh, obviously the tech billionaire and a modern Renaissance guy, who by his own admission was a lefty his entire life, never voted for a Republican until about six months ago when he voted for Myra Flores, the Congresswoman in the border town in Texas, now that he's moved to Texas because he escaped and got, uh, got Tesla out of California. Uh, the media is going after him. And why are they going after him? Because all he's doing is saying, hey, I'm just trying to make sure we can respect free speech a little bit more on Twitter. What a freaking headache he chose to get involved in. He could have gotten his family on a rocket and gone to Mars. Instead, he's fighting for our mortal lives here on planet Earth. Uh, but they're very upset with him because somehow to the left and to the machine as it operates, free speech is somehow a, a connection to the alt-right and mean people on the right. I think free speech is just about the marketplace of ideas and good ideas will win out over time, but <laughs> I'm old school. Uh, Elon tweeted this because he's not happy with what's going on here uh, because he's getting hit hard and it's, and it's hitting Twitter's bottom line. Uh, Apple has mostly stopped advertising on Twitter. Do they hate free speech in America? What's going on here, Tim Cook? Tim Cook, of course, is the CEO of Apple. And then Jonathan Chait, the same guy who I just referenced a moment ago for going after DeSantis in something that had nothing to do with DeSantis. He wrote, try posting more conspiracy theories and white supremacist memes. That ought to bring them back. Okay. So first off, Elon Musk has not uh, posted any white supremacist memes. This is complete nonsense. And the idea that somehow Twitter can't be a place where people share conspiracy theories well, I don't know, Donald Trump, very fine people on both sides. Brett Kavanaugh is a serial rapist. Uh, you know all the stuff, right? We could, we could literally just go through these all day. The Jesse Smollett hoax, all of these things, the COVID shots work, masks work, lockdowns work. This has all been pushed by the power structure. They were pushing lies and conspiracy theories. Now there's a little bit of pushback and giant corporations are pulling ads out of Twitter because of that, even though Twitter's usage is now at an all-time high. And Apple is considering, at least some people are reporting, Apple is considering booting Twitter off 
the App Store, which is crazy. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. So it's not just that Elon bought Twitter and is expanding free speech. It's that he's exposing the left. And I don't want to just say the left here. It's he's exposing the power structure, the cultural norms of corporate press and, and all of the, the journalistic outlets. He's, he's exposing them for what they are. They are tyrants. They are the machine and they're losing a bit of control. So now here's an incredible video. So this is a video at the White House yesterday. And there's a Reuters journalist, the woman that you're about to see asking the question. Her name is Andrea Shalal. Uh, she is part of the World Economic Forum. Well done, Snoops on the internet. Uh, it turns out she's a World Economic Forum affiliate. So she works for Reuters. Listen to the question, the leading question that she asks Corinne Jean-Pierre about Elon Musk and Twitter. And listen to Corinne, I mean, Corinne Jean-Pierre, do I have to tell you what? think you know what I think about her, but listen to her nonsense. Look at her body language, the eyes, the whole thing, just it's all, it's gross. Prepare yourself for pure grossness. Enjoy. This is a critical moment, really, in terms of um, ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. I mean, are you concerned about the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that and what, tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? So look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. And uh, look, um, we, you know, we have always been very clear um, and that uh, when it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when we comes to the hate that we're seeing, uh, that they they take action, that they continue uh, to take action. Again, we're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all uh, uh, monitoring uh, what's what's currently uh, occurring. And uh, we see, you know, we see it with our own eyes of, of what you all are reporting and just for, for ourselves what's happening on, on Twitter. Uh, but again, social media companies have a responsibility to prevent their platforms uh, from being used by any user uh, to incite violence, especially violence uh, directed at individual communities, as we have been seeing. And the president has been very clear on calling uh, that out. He'll continue to do that. Uh, and we're going to continue to monitor the situation. Go ahead. Mamma Mia, all right, there's so much there. So just to be clear again, the woman who asked the question, the journalist who asked the question is in cahoots with the World Economic Forum. What kind of question is it when a journalist is asking the White House press secretary, she's in essence saying, hey, can you guys censor more? Can you figure out a way so that people can't share what they think? And then Corinne Jean-Pierre's answer and you know her body language and the looking down the entire time, it's just such full of nonsense. Um, she first she says that it is not that it is their responsibility that it's big tech's responsibility, social media platforms' responsibility to watch out for misinformation. No, it's not. Where does it say that? Th- these are companies that can do whatever they want. We have the Bill of Rights and the Constitution that protect our rights, right? Uh, but it is not their responsibility to do that. You might like them to do that. And by the way, let's not forget the Jen Psaki. Uh, She told us that the White House flags posts for Facebook. So they are using big tech to encroach on your free speech. And I suspect that they know that Elon knows it, right? Because Elon right now has all the records of what's gone on at Twitter over the last couple of years. And do you think as he's flipping through the records, he's going, boy, this is odd. Um, We got an email from someone in, uh, I'm just giving you an example here. Uh, This is very bizarre. We got a uh, email from somebody in the administration 
uh, who was, or from intelligence services, who wanted us to uh, get rid of Donald Trump. Uh, boy, we have something here from somebody in the intelligence services, FBI, CIA, who wanted us to hide the Hunter Biden laptop. Like the whole jig is up. I think Elon has the keys to expose all of the craziness and he's implying by the way that he's going to do it. Uh, So she says it's their responsibility and that they should take action. Well, if you're forcing them to take action, then that is in a direct violation of the First Amendment, right? It's not the government coming, but if the government forces a company to clamp down on your free speech, again, what they call disinformation or misinformation, even though they're the premier agents of the stuff, this is a problem. Uh, and, And of course, the flag post point that I made before. Uh, anyway, I actually uh, tweeted about this very thing. So I tweeted the video out there. I said, absolutely insane watching the machine go after Elon Musk for defending free speech. This whole exchange is kabuki theater from the ridiculous leading question by the quote journalist to KGP, KJP's obvious pre-planned response. And Elon Musk, uh, oh, well here, I, I had a little bit of a thread on it. I said, also, can anyone point to how hate has been increased since Elon Musk took over. I get tons of wacko, mostly anonymous loser trolls in my mentions. I ignore, block, or mute. Uh, People are mean online. That doesn't give the government a right to trample on the First Amendment. And Elon Musk actually responded to me, and he said, why are so many in the media against free speech? This is messed up. I want to address the hate thing for just a second. Um, You know, yesterday, when I tweeted this thing out and I was mildly critical of Trump, right? It was mild criticism, like like he has to have better people around him or vet people more, with, while also qualifying it by saying, I voted for the guy, I like the guy, I like his kids, all of that stuff. Um, I got a gajillion people, like the troll type people, calling me horrible things and I block them or mute them or whatever. Did I complain at dinner about it last night, guys? I took the team out for dinner, it was Phoenix's birthday. No. We had our margaritas, we enjoyed our Hawaiian steak at Hillstone, and uh, we did not complain about that people said mean things to me. I don't know that there's any indication that there is more hate right now. And if you are getting a lot of hate online, you're not gonna believe this. You know what you can do with this thing? You can throw it out the window. Bananas, bananas, bananas. Uh, But this is what's happening and you can feel what the next move is. The next move is to somehow go after Elon Musk, right? We've shown you uh, all sorts of uh, videos of representatives. There was Ed Markey, Senator Ed Markey, who said that if Elon doesn't control the speech on Twitter a little bit more, that the government might look into his companies. I mean, this is fascism. They're everything that they purport us to be. Uh, Here is former U.S. representative from Maryland, Donna Edwards. Uh, basically blaming Twitter and Tucker Carlson for violence. You can see the linkage between the violent rhetoric and these crimes attacking this marginalized uh, community. And I think it puts all of us at risk. And I have to say, I have real questions about these platforms like Twitter that continue to amplify and allow this kind of hateful language that then plays in um, to violence happening. I think, you know, I mean, it has to, it has to stop and, and these platforms have to bear some responsibility for their role in contributing to it. And I don't even have much to say about a Tucker Carlson or anybody else who lifts up violence and glorifies violence against a community um, and then says hands off when it comes to violence that actually does happen in that 
should have warned people that it was an MSNBC clip, the televised mental institution. Does that woman not realize, does she not have a mirror and realize that if she believes that Tucker Carlson is saying mean things about people and that's instigating violence, that when she then says mean things about Tucker Carlson, that she's instigating violence on him. Now, putting that aside for a second, because I get it, these people don't get irony or reality. Um, Tucker Carlson is not for violence. I have never heard him call for violence. People do say mean things online. And it's very bizarre because uh, for these last couple of years where many people in mainstream media have called all half the country white supremacists and Nazis, that seems pretty mean. If you got called a Nazi, would you say, I don't like that very much? Yeah. People don't like being called a Nazi. I guess if you're not, I guess if you're a Nazi, you go, well, I am a Nazi. But generally speaking, when people are called Nazis, they're not Nazis, okay? So if you guys have been doing that, have you been promoting violence against half the country who are actually not Nazis? Lordy, lordy. Uh, Elon tweeted this out, which pissed off CNN. So this is a fake headline, obviously. Uh, CNN, Elon Musk could threaten free speech on Twitter by literally allowing people to speak freely. I think the CNN communications department actually tweeted out that that was fake. Um, that's how stupid this whole thing is. But that's all he's doing. He is not trying, he is trying to make it so that the, the scale is even as opposed to we are going to inflate everything by the left and we are going to deflate everything by the right. He's trying to just say, hey, it's even. And that's what freaks these people out. Because if they didn't have a monopoly on information, then I actually think the country would look very different. I think people would vote very differently. I think our culture would feel very differently. And they're losing power, which is why there are no doubt. Think about it. There are no doubt meetings right now happening at Apple where they're, they're now debating whether Twitter can be on the App Store. There are no doubt meetings at the White House right now, figuring out how they can put pressure on Elon Musk. You know, maybe we should look into his finances related to Tesla or SpaceX, because if we put enough pressure on, maybe he'll ease up and do what we want to do. This is dangerous stuff. This is dangerous banana republic type stuff, but it is happening here. They're not going after him just because he's for free speech. They're going after him because he's exposing the machine uh, we've got examples of it. Look what he found. This is from Elon Musk. Look what he found in the Twitter headquarters closet. I assume they have a few closets. Here's what he found in one closet. Here we are uh, <laughs> at, the, at the merch thing, and there's an entire entire closet full of secret closet of hashtag woke t-shirts. Stay woke, people. You got to stay woke. Do you think that that's indicative of what the culture around there was like, that it was mostly woke leftists running the company and perhaps they were putting their foot on the scale, right? Perhaps they were limiting the reach of dangerous people like me and inflating the reach of good wokesters like AOC. You think? You think? Maybe? Yeah. Uh, well, you know what's also happening along with all of this? Uh, other corporations, it's not just big tech, other big companies are being exposed for what they are. Uh, in essence, woke nut jobs. Uh, you may have heard about this story, this story about Balenciaga, the fashion brand Balenciaga. We've got some info here from the Daily Wire. Parents erupted in outrage over fashion brand Balenciaga using young children to advertise what one critic dubbed bondage teddy bear purses. The high-end brand is known for its outrageous fashion and it is often worn by celebrities like Kim Kardashian, model Bella Hadid, and actress Nicole Kidman. 
The Daily Wire was able to confirm the following photos were on Balenciaga's website as of Monday morning. Here's a couple of the images. I mean, is this stuff really for kids? What are we doing with these teddy bears, bondage teddy bears with kids? And it's like, what is all of this stuff? But wokeness has infected everything and people think anything is okay, right? It's just so bizarre. Uh, we have to put up a warning. Can we get the warning going? Uh, you're about to see the harpies on The View. Uh, they talked about Balenciaga and sort of maybe made a little sense related to it. Kind of, maybe, sort of. I'll let you decide. What's I, going on here? I found this ad campaign particularly distasteful um, in this moment. So there's this, there's growing anti-LGBTQ sentiment right now. And it, how it's being framed is as portraying, you know, trans people as groomers. This is a term you'll hear on the far right. They're groomers. This is where you get the anti-drag queen stuff that we're right. seeing. So Balenciaga played right into their hands by having kids in a sexualized manner carrying something that represents, you know, sex acts. I think it was a really bad misstep at a moment where it's just kind of a dangerous time to even give credence to those kind of insane takes. Yeah, I mean, we can't even show the picture because it's so distasteful. But what's also very distasteful is like Balenciaga lately. I mean, their stuff is just ugly. I mean, the, the bag that, that their little girl is holding is ugly. Do you remember when Kim K was dressed in Balenciaga for the gala? She loves for the it. Gala? Black, Look the, at that. Oh, yeah. she looked like a bat or something. I mean... I think I gave them a little too much credit that they made some sense. Look, they, they make some sense in that, okay, the pictures were gross, but their analysis of what's going on here really makes no sense. Um, first off, uh, Alison Farah, she's the fake conservative that was talking at first. Um, so she's the one that's allowed to be a little bit on the right, but she always has to like go after Republicans on the show. It's just such an absolute farce. Um, she says, she talks about the growing anti-LGBTQ sentiment. You guys know my feelings about these, these letter alphabet nonsense. Um, these letters make no sense. I have nothing more in common with a trans person than a straight person does. They've just combined all of these things to take the individual out of all of these things. There is not growing anti-LGBTQ violence. There really isn't. What people are concerned about is pushing the gender stuff on children. And so she's claiming, oh, they call them all groomers. No one's calling all gay people or even all trans people groomers. They're calling the people who want to endlessly talk to children about sex and gender identity groomers. I don't know what other word it would be. If you were a, say, third grade teacher and you were supposed to be teaching the kid uh, two plus two equals four, and instead, after school, you meet with the little boy and you call him by a girl's name and then you hide that information from the parents for months and months. And people at the school call him the girl's name, but you don't want the parents to know. I don't know what else to call you besides groomer. I probably could find some other words, but we will get demonetized. Uh, so no one is saying that that's what all gay people want. It's, it's a damn shame what's going on here because for all for the obvious equality that gay people have, it is now the radical woke leftists that are that are instigating some hate around them because of this very nonsense. Uh, but there's this weird thing with excessive tolerance. Now, Jordan Peterson often talks about this. Tolerance cannot be your highest, most important goal in the hierarchy of life because you will be tolerant of everything. This is sadly what has happened to the modern Democrat party and liberals as, uh, as a sort of blanket Statement. So Balenciaga, okay, they have kids in bondage. It's very weird. Uh, but this is happening throughout the corporate world. There's other bizarre things going on. Uh, the Daily Wire's Luke Rosiak was on uh, Tucker Carlson last night, and they've got something weird going down 
with JetBlue. I, I, it's not related to sex, which is nice, but check it out. So the majority of people dying right now of COVID have been vaccinated against COVID. Obviously didn't work the majority. So with that in mind, it's a little weird to learn that the airline JetBlue is still refusing to hire people who haven't taken the COVID vaccine, even though they're the minority of people who are dying of COVID. They say it's part of their commitment to safety. But as it turns out, that commitment to safety does have limits. So JetBlue just hired a violent felon called John Perry's as a pilot. This man spent nine years in prison for breaking into the home of a judge. He's on probation until 2044. Yeah, John Perry's committed a heinous crime. He broke into the home of a judge and brutally assaulted the judge's daughter in the shower with a metal baton. She fled the home bloodied and naked. When he was arrested, he was found wearing a bulletproof vest. And in his car, he had knives, handcuffs, parachute cord, and most disturbingly, a shovel. So this is a bad dude. Now, JetBlue forced all 25,000 of its employees to get vaccinated last year, whether they liked it or not. They won't hire you if you haven't had the vax. But they did hire John Perry's. Do you see how whacked out everything is? This guy attacked a judge with a metal baton and had a shovel. A shovel, people. You know what you do with a shovel? You dig a hole and then you might throw somebody in that hole. Anyway, he spent nine years in jail. I don't know more about the story. And maybe the guy has been completely changed and found the Lord and all the stuff. But he's now a pilot for JetBlue. I like JetBlue. I like those mint seats. I, Daphne, we may have to, I may have to get on another airline now because of this. I can't have this guy flying me after all this with the shovel. Um, but this guy is hired. And 25,000 people that work for JetBlue have to be vaccinated and they will not hire people if they are not vaxxed. So I'm just trying to show you the asymmetry of craziness here. You could have a perfectly good pilot, great track record, never tried to murder a judge, doesn't have a shovel. We're not gonna hire him because he's on vax. We're gonna hire this guy. But these sort of inconsistencies, I think people are seeing them everywhere. Tucker also did a segment talking about the NBA and the NBA, which you know really pushed Black Lives Matter on everybody, pushed masking, push kneeling for the flag, has done every anti-American thing possible. LeBron James, the biggest star in all of basketball. He is a, he's a slave in essence to China while he will constantly rail against the country and the political system that made him probably worth, he's gotta be worth 200 million bucks at, at least I would imagine. Uh, so Tucker actually went after, after the NBA for their stance or lack thereof when it comes to China we hear a word from the NBA commissioner, that would be Adam Silver. Now, Adam Silver also spends a lot of time yelping about what an authoritarian country this is and threatening the people who live here with punishment. He has no problem threatening American voters in North Carolina, for example, or in Texas who wanted separate bathrooms for little girls. What does he think of killing people for wanting to leave their apartment or throwing people en masse into concentration camps? Well, we decided to find out. So we emailed his office today to get his view of Chinese concentration camps. What does Adam Silver think of that? One of our premier moral voices. We didn't get a reply. Why is that? Maybe because he has made millions personally and the NBA itself makes billions of dollars in China. So the NBA has no word to say about China throwing its population into concentration camps, turning Shanghai into a prison. Okay, so this is super interesting because the NBA needs new markets, right? Any business needs new markets. They've sort of maxed out what they can do with the United States. A certain amount of people 
love basketball. Certain amount of people don't watch. They know roughly how many people are going to be watching all the time. They have to find new markets to bring in new money. I would say also the NBA has lost a lot of fans, someone like me, because it's become so politicized. But again, they were the pushers of BLM. They had the black hashtag Black Lives Matter on the court for an entire season, right? The whole thing turned out to be the the greatest grift of all time. Uh, So they can constantly have their players and the organization itself railing against the United States. And what Tucker referenced there was in North Carolina and Texas, where they wanted separate bathrooms. They didn't want, say, I I don't know, does it sound so crazy? You wouldn't want to say a 23-year-old man in a dress going into the woman's bathroom with little girls? Crazy, right? Uh, Because North Carolina and Texas were going to pass laws around that, they decided not to hold the all-star game in those cities. So they're very, very principled, the NBA, but oddly quiet about China. Now, what could be going on in China right now? Well, we showed you a couple of videos yesterday. China has their Communist Party, which wants complete control of their citizens' lives. Uh, they have a zero COVID policy. It is, it is not, this is a phrase, but it is not something that is real. There is no such thing as zero COVID. We will never get COVID down to zero. We will never get the flu down to zero or the common cold or twisted ankles down to zero. So they have a zero COVID policy, which really is just a policy to see how they can break their people, how they can enslave their own citizens. Uh, And there is all sorts of awful stuff. They are literally locking hundreds of thousands of people into their homes and apartment buildings uh, under the guise of the zero COVID policy. Here's a little video. All right, these are massive skyscrapers that they are locking people in. People are dying of starvation. People are jumping out of windows. I mean, it's, it's horrific. And if you don't think that's dystopian enough, here is a drone flying around uh, a city in China warning people to stay at home. that's right out of a Philip K. Dick futuristic movie, right? The drone, the robot flying around to make sure people stay at home so they don't get sick from other people as the government locks them in their houses. I mean, it's absolute dystopian insanity, but now let's connect it to what's going on here in the United States. Anthony Fauci, who probably should be in jail, and I consider him an evil mad scientist, uh, the highest paid person on the government payroll, by the way, although he is as he always says, not political, and he also is the science, the guy's a lot. Um, He was on Jake Tapper's show, Jake Tapper, obviously a Democrat activist, and and Jake, to his credit, every now and again, this is why people like Jake, because every now and again, even though he's 90% hacky, he gets one right every now and again. So he actually asked Fauci about these Chinese lockdowns and really listen to what Fauci says here. This This is really, really interesting. The China's official news agency today published an op ed asserting that the country's strict COVID measures are scientific and effective. Are are they? Well, when you want to shut down uh, in order to interrupt immediately a process that's going on, like the spread of infection, there should be a purpose to it. Like you want to make sure you get enough ventilators or enough PPE, or you want to get your population vaccinated. The comment that I made about their severe uh, um, actions that they've taken is that you have to have an end game. What's the purpose? If the purpose is, let's get all the people vaccinated, particularly the elderly, 
then okay for a temporary period of time to do that. But they have very, very strict type of a lockdown. They're locking people in their homes, which is really they can't even go out and, from what I hear, shop or walk a dog or something like that. Okay, so what's interesting, first let's start with Tapper. First, his question, are they effective? Meaning, are the lockdowns effective? It's a moot point whether they're effective or not. It's actually a moot point. It, they, let's just pretend for a second that lockdowns, that these extreme draconian lockdowns were somehow effective in, limited COVID, in limiting COVID. That doesn't mean that they would be right. And that's so, when Tapper uses the word effective, even if they were effective, it does not mean you are not trampling on people's rights. That's in fact exactly what you are doing. Uh, and then when Fauci, the interesting part on Fauci is when he talks about the end game. Well, okay, if, if the end game would be to just get more elderly people uh, vaccinated, then they'd be safe, so it would be okay. But does he not have any basic understanding? I mean, we played a video of him saying virtually the same thing yesterday. This has nothing to do with COVID. It is a government seeing how far it can push its own people, much like will be happening over the next few years in blue cities and states who voted in the exact same people who locked them in last time. So do you think that the people who did, who used those levers of power and then all of the citizens who said, thank you, sir, may I have another? Do you think that the people who pushed that on them, do you think they might go, why don't we do it again? Don't worry, we're gonna eat our foie gras on the boat while these morons are staying at their house. Uh, so what's interesting about all of this also is that uh, China, which is not known for protests, right? They had the Tiananmen Square protests 30, 40 years ago, uh, but China generally does not uh, take too kindly to mass protests. Well, there are protests bursting out all over the country. Now, you're not gonna see any of these really on mainstream media because mainstream media doesn't want you, the people, realizing that you have any power. That's just how it is. Uh, here is Assistant Secretary of Defense, John Kirby, uh, saying basically that, uh, no, we're, we're not gonna stand with the protesters and uh, you know they can basically go F themselves. I'm wondering, what is the president's reaction when he hears protesters in China chant freedom or Xi Jinping step down? The president's not gonna speak for protesters uh, around the world. They're speaking for themselves. So there's no reaction? This, the, the, these protesters are speaking for themselves. What we are doing is making it clear that we support the right of peaceful protest. What an absolute spineless coward. What a disgusting group of people that we have in the Oval Office right now. We really do. These, these are anti-American, anti-free, anti-freedom focused people. Cowards. These people, we are watching citizens be locked on, in their own homes on top of the, the genocide of the Uyghurs. Right, we know that this is all happening, but we want to make money off China, so we're not going to say anything. So we'll just let the protesters say their thing. Sure, the government's going to crack down on them, probably kill a whole bunch of them. A bunch of them will be unpersoned and missing, but we're not going to really. The president, you know, sure, if they were protesting racism of the United States, we'd be all about it, but we ain't going to do that. Lord, Lord, help me. Uh, Anyway, what do we do about all this? What do we do about all this? Because it's kind of scary, it's kind of dystopian, it feels like it's kind of getting worse. And, uh, and what do you do? What do you do in the midst of all that? So I would say to turn the, the tides, the tone of our government and our culture, you want to turn this thing, whether it's Kanye, Twitter, Balenciaga, JetBlue, the US position on China, we have to look back on historical injustices. We have to realize that there are good ideas out there. That's why sunlight is the best disinfectant. Look how quickly Kanye folded 
in, in the face of someone being like, well, you don't want to say all of those people. And then the guy walked off. That's a good win. We want to keep exposing the bad ideas of collectivism, collectivism of Marxism, of socialism, of communism. And we want to contrast it with Western values that you have a little value and you have autonomy over your life and all of those things. I found this video a couple days ago that I wanted to figure out how we could work it in the show and I thought this would be a beautiful way of tying this all together. Uh, this is Jordan Peterson talking about historical dangers of authoritarianism, collectivism, socialism, etc. People are unbelievably ignorant about history. And, and I mean, I, I would include myself in that, you know, I mean, I know what I know about the history, say, preceding the 20th century is very sketchy. It's embarrassingly sketchy, you know. Um, and what young people know about 20th century history is non-existent, especially about the history of the radical left. I mean, how would they know? Communist and Marxist ideology is very good at addling the, at the weak minds of idiot intellectuals. There was a huge section of the population who was fomenting, I suppose, against the standard, what would you call it, political, psychological, and social order. You see, in the Western intellectuals tried to make excuses for what had happened in the Soviet Union by blaming it on Stalin's cult of personality, perversion of the original accurate Marxist doctrine. Still hear people today, many people, when they're faced with the, you know, if they're, if they're, if they're Marxist in their orientation and they're faced with the data pertaining to what happened in the Soviet Union, they'll say something like, well, that wasn't real Marxism. But one of the things that you might answer to that is, well, fine, except that in every bloody country in the world where that doctrine was implemented, regardless of the wide cultural differences between the cultures, say, the Soviet Union, China, Cambodia, and so forth, exactly the same thing happened every time. The Marxist claims to sympathy with the working class, because you might say, well, they actually have sympathy for the working class. Are they really trying to put their, um, their, their, their positions forward, their needs forward? Or do they just hate the successful, mm -hmm. depending on how that's divided up? I thought, well, how do you make a judgment like that? And I had the, this personal experience, but then I thought, well, that's easy with Marxism. It's like, you just look at all the murders, and you, then you know whether that was a movement that was genuinely motivated by empathy. All right, guys. So we know what we're fighting. And if you know what you're standing for, I think you'll fight it effectively. And there will be places, say here in the free state of Florida, that will build the machinery and have the right political leaders and the right spirit amongst the people to fight these things. And we have to figure out how to export that blueprint, as I've been talking about, and certain places we won't be able to export it to because they'll be so entrenched, say like a California. And the bad ideas will always keep coming, but we will do our best to look to history to know what could be in front of us if we don't fight for freedom, right? And that's how we'll get out of this whole thing. Solid show today, if I do say so myself. Uh, a couple comments from the locals community. Margo says, Dr. Fauchenstein should be on charges for mass murder. I mean, the, he should be embarrassed to be out. Like the guy thinks he's a God. If you criticize me, you're really criticizing science, right? Vile, disgusting. He lied, we've shown you the videos, lying about masks, lying about his involvement in lockdowns and school shutdowns and all of these things. Just absolute embarrassment. 
and they still put him up there. It's just incredible. Jeannie says, I think you're wrong is violent speech to these lefties, right? I mean, it really is as simple as that. What they really don't want is just people saying, um, actually, I think something different. Uh, no, no, uh, no, uh, well, actually, that isn't really right, and I think something a little bit different, and I'd like to explain it. That is violent. So that's what's happening. As Elon is just saying, hey, we're going to allow more voices to be in the mix, suddenly, bada-bing, bada-boom, hate speech, yo. Uh, EK says, can't spare anything for Epstein's client list, but they'll investigate Twitter. Isn't that something, right? It's like... Epstein died in jail. It was odd that the cameras didn't work. I don't want to be a crazy conspiracy theorist. The security guards weren't around. The cameras didn't work. Uh, we never got the, the list. Giselle, whatever, whatever her name is, Giselle Maxwell, she got indicted. We never got the list on that one. Very, very bizarre. I don't know. How do you indict somebody without knowing what they were doing? <laughs> Guys, if you haven't subscribed, do so at rumble.com slash Rubin Report. I have enjoyed today's show. I hope you have. Share it with friends. Talk about these ideas. Let's win. Why not? Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We leave you with the cold close of uh, the elderly man pretending to be president, being banged up in one of the debates way back when. We should have known he had nothing, but alas, here we are. See ya. See, people miss this opportunity and lose because we are nominating someone that doesn't, isn't trusted, doesn't have authentic connection. And so that's what's on the ballot, and issues do matter. I, I have a lot of respect uh, for, for the vice president. He has uh, swore me into my office as a hero. This week, I hear him literally say that I don't think we should legalize marijuana. I, 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 I thought you might have been high when you said it. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, because, because marijuana, marijuana, marijuana in our country is already legal for privileged people. And it's one, the war on drugs has been a war on black and brown people. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm part of that, that Obama coalition. I come out of the black community in terms of my support. If you notice, I have more people supporting me in the black community that have announced for me because they know me. They know who I am. Three former chairs of the Black Caucus, the only African-American woman that ever been elected to the United States Senate. A whole range of people. No, my point no, that's is, not true. The other that's one not is true. here. <laughs> no, I said the first. Thank you guys for tuning into the Rubin Report direct message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.